Right, and we're back with Villaincast, and today uh, with someone who shouldn't need much explanation, but we'll allow for it anyway, uh, Lachlan Giles. Uh, hello, sir. Good night. Good evening. Uh, it's, I've, yeah, it's I know it's here and it's afternoon. Middle of the day for me, apparently. Even though it looks uh, like it's night. <laughs> yeah, so I want to make sure I had a, a, a nice looking studio, like I said, uh, before we started recording. Um, if I have that behind me, then normally that's every time I invite someone on, they ask, Oh, what's that behind you? Because jujitsu just attracts nerds. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, yes, so we we have met before. We uh, you came to my gym. It was four years ago to do a seminar. Um, I think it was on uh, head and arm chokes or north south and anacondas and yeah, no, uh, was, I think that was a really cool experience. So I think that was like just after I had a match with Ross Nichols on Grapple Fest, and then um, yeah, I came to your gym. I can't remember how far the drive was. It was probably was it like a, an hour or two away from... About, about an hour. I think it was it was up in Liverpool, so I think we're about an hour away from Liverpool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I asked you at the... Probably at the, at the Grapple Fest, like, would you mind coming to my gym tomorrow? <laughs> <Possibly>. <laughs> so it was very much... Yeah. Uh, and then I've we went for Nepalese food. Driving around. Um, I remember Chris Thompson was like, oh, yeah, I'll get you some seminars once. And then it was like... One day I'm in the north of England. <laughs> Next day I'm down south. Then I'm up north again. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Well, you've just been bouncing around Europe, haven't you? Kind of <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was a really cool experience going to visit you guys. That was probably my first. Obviously, like I'd... Um, Preet had actually came to our gym once, but I wasn't... I think I didn't get to roll with him, and I, so I never got to like feel like someone using Preet's system and and style and then um so going to your gym was the first like i suppose like hands-on experience just seeing people who had like had a focus on that particular style of jiu-jitsu and that that got me i certainly came away from that thinking about how to implement that and also how to try to beat it too <laughs> because it, it uh, threw, threw a real spanner in the works for like how I was approaching especially like back control so yeah no that was really good it's so, a great experience so what you're saying is we were the main inspiration for you then doing well at ADCC because it was exactly, about three yeah. months yeah it was only like a month or two later and I was uh, leveling me up <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. thought if, if I can beat these guys I can beat anyone at ADCC yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's, yeah that was that was four years ago that is that's crazy. Um so obviously there's there's gonna be numerous questions I have regarding um competition, but uh the first part then is uh so you have Submeta, which is your your online learning platform. Um yep. just for anyone who hasn't come across it yet, uh or five people who haven't, would you mind just doing a brief explanation of uh Submeta, please? Yeah, I suppose like um I mean I'd always I'd been doing instructionals um like through fanatics bj fanatics which tend to be like you know it's like a, um a, i try to like present a system or a position you know like this is the position and this is the different the different options i've got available and how i'm thinking about it and the concepts and the, the moves and narrated rolling and so on which which i think like in and of itself that's a good product but then i was just finding um I didn't. I've done a few different instructionals, and I was like, "Geez, sometimes the same topic just keeps coming up." Like I did, like a guard retention one. I did, um, I think the half guard one, and I did an open guard one. And in each of those, reverse delaheva came up as like, "Well, you need that for a guard retention. You kind of need it if you're playing half guard to at least, you know, depending on the style of half guard you're playing." And of course, open guard. And I was like, "Man, I just keep." filming the same content like like obviously in a different context but like yeah wouldn't it be i was like wouldn't it be nice to just have like a website where i film one reverse telehever instructional and then that's that can fit together in different ways to like other topics that i cover and like kind of like be able to fit um more things together and i suppose just like so it's kind of like um it's basically like most of it's based around courses i also have videos of me rolling and and so on but most of like the bulk of the content is like courses based around um specific systems and and then um hopefully in a way that allows you to kind of link together and under one subscription you can get 
you know, I think we've got a, I've got like 120 courses oh. over the, over 120 courses on there now. So like, kind of trying to cover all I know about jiu-jitsu. So if someone wants, you know, it's kind of like a one-stop shop as opposed to having to, you know, if you wanted to buy 120 instructionals, which you certainly could, that would um, cost a lot of money, <laughs> which I'm sure some people have. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of like, let's people, you know, you can pick and choose what you want to work on and, and so on. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's just structured in a, in a slightly different way. And, um, I, th- I mean, I think it's really good, but, yeah. So... The question I have then is obviously because I've I've seen a lot of the the content you put out there and it's a you you very much flow the the various details together um, when you're mm-hmm. showing various guards and, and setups etc. Um, so how you teach now? So is is there much of a difference between how you teach uh, for these instructionals to how you teach in the gym compared to how you yeah. were taught initially? Like how sure. what's the yeah the kind of continuation of your of your progress with regards to that absolutely yeah i think that's a very good question um yeah because i kind of i that's the i mean i think actually in some ways i think teaching on an instructional is a lot easier than teaching a class (laughs) because (laughs) when you're teaching a class you're trying to get people good at it in the class like this is the time to train as well right yeah whereas an instructional you're just basically trying to give them the information that they can then use to go and train. Um, so, uh, maybe like, you know, probably when I first, or how I originally, you know, like probably like everyone, like it used to be kind of like you'd do a, a warm up and then do some techniques and then, and then roll. That was like when, when I was a student, that was how it tended to be pretty much immediately when I started coaching, I, I kind of got rid of the warm up thing i never really um as in like I'll, I'll warm up with techniques or even just get straight into teaching and um and then let people kind of warm up with with the movements um and i wanted to do a lot of specific training because i know for me when i was trying to become go from like a you know a okay purple belt into someone who could eventually do well at black belt you know like the the transition between that involved me doing a, a lot of specific training so just like situational training from certain positions and whatever i was focused on just like going there and repeatedly working on that so for me i knew that helped so i knew i wanted to set my classes up my class structure up in a similar way where we would do a lot of specific training um so uh then um, but then, like, probably, like, you know, I got, I probably got, like, I'll say famous, but, like, I started to get some, people start, began to kind of know of me to some degree, probably originally from my YouTube channel, not so much, not even as a competitor, but just as a, um, through my YouTube channel, which I'd put my classes up. And I think if you actually go back to those classes, I probably show more detail in those classes than I do now. Um because I kind of do start to see this separation between um, like how you should coach for an instructional and how you should be training. Um, you know, I think it, it's it's kind of, at least my experience has been like a lot of the time, if you show like a lot of detail, like 15 details in a technique, most people are going to remember one or two <laughs> maximum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you've wasted all your... Kind of what, and, and, if, and if you're teaching to the room, mm. yeah, there's probably like only a couple of details that you really want everyone to get well. So I actually probably a little bit more brief now in my explanations, and I want to get people trying it. Like, let's do it. Get it. Hopefully, trying it live um, and troubleshooting it um, earlier. You know, I want I want the training time to be a bit more about training. And if you've got a dedicated student who has access to instructionals or like most of my, all my students really can have access to, to the submitter. So that, that kind of helps. But like if they want to spend two hours, like understand, like then you kind of like the instructional is really like it. Hopefully I won't give you all the answers, but like hopefully most of the common problems you can encounter, yeah. I'll probably have some perspective that you can get from the, the instructional. So like, I think watching that should give someone a really good, just understanding of like, 
what what's the whole position about what are the likely problems i'm going to encounter how do how do i go about approaching solving them and they could go you know they could go to class you could train and have an issue and if you couldn't answer it on the spot maybe going back and being able to find that in the instructional at a time where you're not actually at training which is Hmm. you know i just think like when you're at training your best times both mostly spent actually training you know so that's probably like how i'm coaching a bit more now and, and i'm probably yeah, you, you may be kind of leading me in towards this, but using some of the ecological. No, um, not no, there was no leading here. Like. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so like a bit, of, a bit of that too. So, yeah. Well, no, I was just like I said, very curious on how because like I said there that you know by the time you'd hit purple belt, you were doing um, situational training. So, yeah. what would you describe as your like situational? Would you drill? certain aspects or would you ask someone to do something and you try and like solve the problems as they kind of present mostly it? it was just like let's i mean i would i don't really do that much static drilling now uh no. not that i think it's bad just like um i think as you get more and more experience you get less and less out of that um but back then i i, I kind of did more static drilling but that what i meant by specific training was just like like if i'm working if I wanted to be good at single leg X guard, I'd grab my partner and go, we're going to start here and I'm going to try and sweep and you're going to try and get out. And if you get out, we go back and we do it again. <laughs> and if I sweep, we go back and we do it again. So just kind of like basically live training, but from specific positions. And once we're out of that position, when we're no longer working the um, thing we want to work, we'll go back and do it again. Um, yeah, so that was that's probably like something i've been doing for a long time i think which uh i won't won't bring up the e word um so that (laughs) seems like it goes kind of like into that kind of approach eventually as in you know you're you're presenting problems and then uh, try and solve them within a constrained model um yeah i mean yeah uh, uh yeah i'd say it's um that that's basically how i've done it i mean i think you can like I mean, the ecology, like using constraints. There's there's a lot of different ways you could put constraints on your training, but probably the yeah. most. And I think actually you have to be careful that you don't like make it too different to actually what's going to be you know, yes experienced in when you're actually like competing or or rolling or whatever. So a pretty simple one is just let's start from this position and play under the same rules that we yeah. would. Uh, in the tournament and therefore like all the good outcomes you're still trying to do you know like if I'm in single X like I'm trying to sweep I'm trying to do things that are always productive Um, whereas I think sometimes when you put other goals on like um, you know like start in single X your aim is to get their hands to the mat like yeah which should be good but sometimes it's not you know like sometimes you're actually in a better position to stand up than put their hands on the mat you know like yeah Sometimes putting goals that aren't actually um, yeah f- focused on an outcome that you really want, um, which is the sweep or, or a submission you know, from guard, for example. So, yeah, I think that like as a as a ecological approach, just pure specific training is probably one of the best ones. <laughs> I, th- I think that's correct. As in, there's a, a definite need for a continuity between what happens in drilling and training, what happens in sparring and what happens in competition because, um, I mean, a prime example is uh, a lot of the things you learn, you know, in your first days of jiu-jitsu about, you know, from a more traditional standpoint, you know, the, the atypical closed guard passes where you put your knee in the middle of the butt and you push backwards and then yeah. you never use it in sparring and then when you get to competition, it never happens anyway because everyone just <laughs> doesn't accept being on their ass. Um, yeah. And so... Yeah, I think that I, you are absolutely correct where you can go down any training route, but if there isn't a continuity between all those things and what you actually, the, the main outcome, it's kind of pointless anyway, no matter what you do uh, or, yeah, or exactly. style. Yeah. Uh, when would you recommend someone then changing from static drilling into more of that kind of free-form critical thinking training? Yeah. Um, to me, it's like, basically when 
when it's no longer a challenge, which is probably pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I mostly, I mean, we're talking about like, um, I, I kind of, I, I mostly work through, I'd say more so like the, the challenge point framework, more so than like an ecological framework, which is basically just yeah. like, um, the idea is you should, your whatever you're working should be challenging. So like if it's, if it's too easy for you, you might put some constraints on yourself to make it yeah. harder. Um, or if it's too hard, you might put some constraints on your opponent um, to make it a bit easier. You know, I, I want it to be like, um, I think if you're always succeeding when you're doing something, then you're not really learning. If you're always failing, I won't say you're not learning, but you probably won't keep doing that move. <laughs> like if, you, if it's not working for you, you might be going like, all right, well, that doesn't yeah. work this way. And you might be then trying, you know, it kind of encourages you to try other um, avenues. But if all the avenues you keep trying stop working, you might just throw the, the thing out when, which is kind of not what we want as a, well, usually not what we want as coaches. If, if, if we know it's something that if they had have persisted with, uh, it would have been good for them. So uh, I tend to like, you know, if I, if I show someone, you know, let's say like a leg drag and they, like, you know, and let's just say there's a couple of steps to a leg drag where you like, you know, beat the line of the foot, beat the line of the knee, get chest to chest connection, and then you pass, right? Let's just, let's just assume it's like simple like that. But then I see someone's like trying to get chest to chest when the leg's still in the way. I'm like, well, you, it's actually challenging for you to just do the drill, you know, like you need to just yeah. understand that at this point you need to be focused on clearing the line of the foot. And then at this point you need to clear the line of the knee. And once I see that they've quite clearly processed that, so I'll generate, like when I'm teaching, I'll just kind of look around the room. I'm like, yeah, pretty much everyone's, it's usually pretty quick if it's, if it's a simple technique, but everyone's got the idea of that. I'll try to put like some live resistance into it in some way now and make it challenging again, you know, and probably with some constraints if I can, just to like, usually that that's the biggest issue is you go from like a static opponent who you, you, obviously it's usually works too easily and then you go yeah. live and you're trying, you're trying to do, especially if you're trying to work one move as opposed to like, we're not, we're no longer going like, let's just pass the guard. It's like, Oh, we're trying to get a leg drag on our opponent. Uh, it's pretty hard to just do a leg drag if your opponent's trying to defend. So yeah, you got to like put some constraints to make it more difficult. It, may, it might even be that you start really late. Like let's start near the end of the leg drag where you've got a pretty good chance at winning and we're going to go live and then we'll move it back a step. If you're doing well, if you're, um, if you're still struggling, stay there, you know, try and fix what's going on. So that, that's probably ideally how I approach it. If I'm, um, if I'm doing a good job as a coach that day, <laughs> it's hard with a whole room full of people though. You know, that's the hardest yeah. thing because everyone's at a different level. Um, yeah, it's tough. Ideally coaching should be individualized, I think, but, yeah, yeah. Um, as, as school no. as you. Well, it's 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 something that I've had to try and uh, square that circle recently. Is this idea that it's especially stylistically about uh, it becoming maybe more competition orientated, where people are returned to their feet more and and the controls changing absolutely. Um, where when you have different ages, skill levels, sizes in the gym, is is that realization that if people are, are training for themselves and there's that kind of league table in the gym of, you know, I want to get my next belt. I need to make sure I'm better than this person. I don't want to get beaten by this person. Um, in course that, you know, those, those kind of usual gym issues, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a purple belt, but I'm getting beaten up by bigger blue belts or whatever. So it was a, a bit of a, a cultural change of saying, I kind of laugh as it's like making a, a communist state, of you know we're all here all here for the team and we're all here for each other's benefit and you're not here for yourself which kind of made yeah. teaching a room a bit easier um <laughs> because then and also injury weight went way down and everyone seemed a lot happier but um yeah when you've got a room full of individuals at different skills it's it's definitely a a more challenging thing because then obviously if you put more uh effort into say be someone who's competing you think well does that lessen the need of someone who isn't competing 
then they need you just as much. Yeah. So and even just like the technique choice that you're like if you're going to teach a class as a whole, there's a lot of things that a big heavyweight's not going to do no. that like the lightweights are always going to do, and they should like you know the the featherweights should be spending all their time, not all their time, but most of their time training this position, and the big heavyweight maybe should spend zero percent of their time doing that. <laughs> even even yes. some even some of the positions like like if you were like you know 150 kilogram like very overweight large person back control even is probably just like don't even do it don't bother <laughs> like just <laughs> pass the side control if they turn yeah. like turn them back over like, like in terms of your comp obviously it's it's worth learning but like um in terms of a composite competition strategy so like there's so much variance uh even in the positions that we often think like everyone should know uh, probably the only thing i think everyone should know is how to you basically need to know how to escape everything you know after that once it gets to offense it's kind of starts to become uh more about individual style and and preference and that's where i i, I try to although most of my students the, my better students probably do do this but most people don't which is like i say you know if you if you're coming to one of my classes and you have got something you want to work, work that. Like, you can you still got to sit there when I'm talking. Like, if I have to show something, like, you got to like join in the class and stop and not just like distract everyone on the side. Like, just for a moment, you can stop. But once it comes time to yeah. practice things, like, go for it. Do do whatever you want. You know, um, and you know that that way you can get people. At least for me, that that's a good way to let people kind of work their individual style, and, and you know, if they're self-motivated like that, that's awesome. What would you consider to be kind of fundamental concepts and and motions that you should know as a in in jiu-jitsu when you first start? Concepts and motions, fundamental. Um, I feel like, I mean, you could. Probably like the, you know. Oh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot, really, isn't there? Um, I, I, yeah. But I also think it's all like, um, like there's good, like Pareto principle type rules. As in, like they work most of the time. Like keep your elbows tight is like a pretty like you know don't give your opponent underhooks is like for the most most of the times a very good advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, build fr- like understanding frames understanding like what the guard is and when it's a, you know like why would we want to use guard and like the importance of maintaining and retaining guard as opposed to you know keeping your knees to your chest and as opposed to like allowing someone in that space and starting to pass so like obviously defensively um and then probably kind of reverse engineering all that when you're on top you know trying to get under hooks and keep keep your weight on people and separate their knees from their chest and yeah um i suppose there's there's tons but um well yeah they're off the top of my head that's probably the main ones <laughs> to lead on to it then well, how yeah. do you how do you introduce those <laughs> ideas to your beginners sorry as in how do you how do you go about introduce introducing those ideas to someone who who joined your school um yeah so what they do you what do you integrated into the like yeah we we have like a um uh intro class which is like your first eight, eight lessons i think we we run through it's just like you're supposed to just go through learn the positions and like a couple of major concepts like that so um you know it's like very minimal detail behind any like anything like technical they're learning it's just like a two two or three step process nothing more um but the idea of that is so that from there on they're like no matter where they are in in a role they can hopefully like orient themselves somewhat like oh okay this is kind of in you know this is the guard you know i might not Mm. be in the exact same guard that i learned in class but like i've got my legs there i understand what the guard is i can i can use that um then we have a um then the class after that which is kind of like our i guess our fundamentals um kind of more goes through like you know you'd spend a i I usually do it like if i if i had one it's it's by position but i was like if you had to teach someone mount in one class what are the 
what are the things you would teach them in mount for, for that one class so i won't spend like a long time i kind of like rotate through just so they get a good amount of space repetition and they kind of get to see all the different positions and it's probably all confusing at first but after going through like you know a few classes of mount over a few, you know a few months or whatever they'll they'll start to like ingrain those ideas but that's always just like kind of i've had that one position um how could i teach that in one in one lesson you know and then the more advanced classes i might spend you know, however long i want really but sometimes a yeah, sometimes a week, sometimes like three weeks on on a particular position, um, and yeah. When you have people then gearing up more towards competition, so you've got those fundamentals, those you know separating the knees. You've got your moving from static drilling into uh, more situational uh, training. Uh, yeah. How do you then gear someone up, say a student or yourself, for competition? So for competition. Um, I try to like increase the I mean it's, you just hopefully they've got if they're training they should I mean they should always be if they, if they want to be a competitor they should always be developing a skill set that's going to be useful as a competitor I think um, yeah so that shouldn't change what should change is probably like let's say you're eight weeks, you know, usually around the eight week mark for me anyway, possibly slightly longer if it's, you know, like if it's ADCC trials, um, I'll start ramping up the uh, intensity. So let's go a bit harder. Like let's get more used to the pressure. Um, sometimes even trying to like, um, every now and then I'll get, you know, like let's have a, a few people watch watching the role just so you feel a bit more, pressure um <laughs> yeah you know, reduce the volume a little bit we're kind of always training to the rule set but i'll often do a, a few more things like you know like we've got like someone stalling um like one person's up by points the other person's down you've got to try and score um these sort of things that i mean i, I kind of hate training like when i'm trying to just work on my skills i kind of hate training like that because it's a bit more I don't know, it's less fun I think like you're dealing with a staller and it's a bit more intense like I kind of I like to relax yeah. most of the time in training for myself but in the lead up to a tournament I think you kind of need that and of course with all that increased um, intensity there's higher injury risk if you don't at least like back off the volume you know so I usually do a few less rounds or longer rests yeah. um, just to make sure you know it's not overload so that's that's generally how I'll, I'll approach like leading up to the tournament, and obviously depending on the tournament, like the most of the, to be honest, most of our guys now are predominantly training for ADCC, so it's pretty easy the rule set. But obviously, if someone wants to do, you know, we had Le like Levi was doing Gi World, so hmm. I was doing a lot of training. Obviously, like trained a lot of Gi stuff and Gi grips and IBGF rules with him. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously you've you've gone to the the jujitsu Olympics essentially. Um, what prepared you mentally for that? As in, did you go through any sports psychology, or was there like a specific thing you you kind of went into, or did you just do the rest of us and just shit your pants as you as you walked on, onto the mat? Pretty much, I, I think just all. Of, <laughs> it's a it was kind of like the first time I went. I was just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, I've been like four times now, so it's like the first yeah. time. You're like, oh, I've made it to ADCC. This is awesome, you know. Um, and so then I fought Durinho, I think, and lost, obviously. Um, and then the second time, I don't think I believed. I mean, it, it's always, it's always a hard one when people talk about belief because, like, I, the second time I went, I didn't be probably believe I could win it, but I thought maybe I could give. You know, maybe you never know. Like on a really good day, I could beat someone, and I got JT Torres first round. So it was, <laughs> but I, actually, yeah, I think he won that year. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, oh no, he didn't. You know, I think he no, he didn't win that year. But he like actually gave him. I, I did a. I probably did better than I should have given my level mm. at that time. Um, uh, and then the third one, obviously, was when I. Um, I like so, I, but I actually I think I lost to JT by like two points. 
Yeah. It was like overtime and lost by two points. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's not, you know, for someone who's like, JT is obviously like one of the best and he kind of showed that the next one and, and won. But um, to, to be able to give him a tough match was, um, I guess, confidence boosting. And then for the following one, I mean, I didn't even do well in my division, but in the open weight, that's when I had my kind of breakout performance. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But even then, like, it's kind of funny, like, because when, when I went into that open weight, I wasn't there thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat Kainan Duarte. I just, like, I knew I had a chance. Like, if I got to a heel hook, he, like, that's the way to beat him. So I kind of I was almost, like, forced to be very maybe aggressive at trying to get my game going because I knew that's the only way I can win. So if I don't get there, like, I'm going to get squashed by this um, beast of a human. So I've just got to, like, I maybe made me a bit more... Um, aggressive where I might be more hesitant against someone who I think I've got other ways to win. So yeah, maybe essentially, yeah, there was no like sports psych. <laughs> it was just, um, <laughs> just a slow, slow growing in confidence over time. I think. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, cause I remember I've, I've talked to, to numerous very high level black belts, you know, elite level competitors over the years. So I was asked, you know, what, what have you done to, mentally get in the headspace and some have seen sports psychologists and they've said they've you know they go into a, a, a different headspace they they go they become like a character and yeah um so it's not them on the stage it's someone else so i was just wondering because uh, i you hear about i think um cowboy cerrone was was one that he like he something like he throws up before he still gets in the cage and but they can kind of like perform um the funny i was just wondering yeah, I know Jeff Glover would like. He was like vomiting before, really. ABCC, and I was like, "But he's not even taking it seriously. He's running around. He's giving." Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, maybe that was like maybe even his um, antics are kind of uh, part of the nerves. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, this guy's just having fun, you know? Like he's turning his back and doing donkey guard and all this sort of stuff. And I thought he was just like. You know, didn't care at all about it, but then yeah, he was like throwing up backstage really? before the matches. So I was like, okay, that's that maybe that's like a, his way of dealing with nerves. That's yeah, so I think everyone, but yeah, that character thing's probably good. there's probably some good stuff from seeing a sports psych. I probably yeah probably should have done that, but here we are. <laughs> late, yeah, because um, yeah, I I I again I think when I was coming through competing and you know, before Grapple Fest and, and going on to that personally. Um, the way I kind of did it was I read a lot of what NFL coaches, what kind of advice they gave their athletes about what visualization means about taking things back under your control. It's only when you're starting to worry about the things that you can't control that you are, you're, you're going to start to panic and get nerves. And so it was the, the uh, Grapple Fest, you know, we were at, uh, you know, you had yourself and everyone else kind of in the warm-up area. I was kind of around the side having a sleep because I thought that's the only way I deal with my nerves is I, I set my bag up and just slept until about 10 minutes before I went on. Obviously, it didn't do well because, you know, I almost got him until he broke my ankle and then I didn't get him. <laughs> Maybe I should have warmed up properly. Yeah. Um, but then I right. see, uh, I think the Rotola brothers uh, were there one year whilst I was warming up and they were just heel-hooking each other. Like just grabbing a heel yeah. hook and just holding them on. I was like, "That's not normal." These days, I like to, um, I like to roll um, before I compete. Like, yeah, so I get the, I, you probably get it. I think everyone gets it, but like, you kind of like if you spend like two or three days not doing jujitsu and you're about to compete, I kind of feel like, do I know what I'm doing? You know, it's just like I feel a lot more confident when I get a grip. Just like yeah. in the lead up, you know, the morning of, or even just bef- you know a few hours before I go out, just get a grip and like do some moves. I'm like, oh, that's right, I, I do know what it, I'm doing. <laughs> it was, that's the problem. It's like your first round, usually when you do sparring, is always your worst because yeah. you know you're not properly there yet, and you you know you 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 have to wake up a little bit. So it was, I've I remember if you know for years it was one of the things that if we had a local competition, I'd open up the gym six a.m. before we went. And said to everyone, right, get a few rounds in, go train for half yeah. an hour, like set yourself up for the day. Uh, and then those are normally the competitions we do best at. Just like 
yeah, getting getting those rounds in, just what, not when I was in Brazil, going in fresh. Sorry, when I was in Brazil, um, the Meow brothers were just they were just like rolling with each other as hard as they could just before they went out. Just like, but they were so fit that yeah, they yeah. were just you know. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not doing that because I'll be I'll be exhausted. <laughs> but, um, but I think they were literally competing every weekend. So like it was just yeah. like there was it must it must if you're doing it that much, it must just get to the point where you don't even read like notice. There's almost no difference in feel for a com- competition to training. But I never no. got to that level. But yeah. no, not 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 to the, the meow brothers level, which is <laughs> they're they're something different. Um, how did you one question actually came up a few times when I, I knew that you you graciously go come on on this is that people were asking like you know what did you do for your fitness for, for to get, get ready for these things is there a particular regime you went through or is it just general gym fitness and sparring pretty much just wrestling wrestling if you can wrestle jiu-jitsu is easy fitness wise that's that's always been my <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> still the yeah. most tired I've ever the most tired I've ever been by far. Is I did the wrestling nationals and it was just it was a six minute match. It wasn't nearly like yeah. what I think I lost. I lost the third place match. I, I came sorry the play, we fought off fought for second. I can't remember why. I think they have rep charge. So I came third, but um, but it was like. The score was like 12 to 13, which is very high scoring for wrestling. But I think I just lied down for a good half an hour after that. <laughs> it just did not move. <laughs> um, yeah. That was, but yeah, if, you, if you're fit for, re- if, you're, if you're doing wrestling and you're actually like trying to take your opponent down and not just like kind of like blocking and you know, like, because a lot of jiu-jitsu guys, they just kind of stand tall and club each other in the head. And that's probably not that tiring, which is maybe why they do it. But if you're actually like, in a wrestler's stance and like shooting and hand fighting and snapping and like defending and you know like I just feel like if your cardio's if you get your cardio up with that the groundwork's just yeah nothing compared to that. That's that's probably the the main thing kind of we've noticed recently. So I've been really pushing in the gym of unless you're being held down, get the hell up. Like there's yeah. don't play guard unless you are forced to, and. Yeah. That was one of the probably the main because like, I've I've gone down a very very different route with my my coaching now is I've got students who've been with me for about a year who still don't know what guard is or any submissions. Right, okay. Yeah, okay. Um, Yours and, is more in line with like Craig. See, I still like guard. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I, I Craig, Craig Craig's yeah Craig's kind of more on the yeah the don't play guard thing. Yeah. Oh, well, nah, I, I mean, I do think it's a little bit. Um, Maybe like a, a little bit weight division. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's a definitely in, the, definitely in the heavier weights. Yeah, like guards way harder. Um, I think you could you could play it either way in the lighter weights. Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's a it definitely helps with the cardio. I think that's like the main thing is that you know trying to play passing against someone who's just lying on the floor is you know you can relatively take the your foot off the gas but trying to pass on who's also trying to get up at the same time there's just it's goddamn exhausting and yeah 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 that seemed to be the main thing that again like you know we we then started competing on this idea and the main kind of feedback i got was the cardio was the the biggest improvement yeah. um yeah so it's it's <laughs> if you want to get better at jiu-jitsu do wrestling pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I was, like I say, very curious. I, I realized that, you know, it was one of the problems that I had was that I was using too much black belt magic for a long time and then stepping back into the world of takedowns, um, you know, having some, some young lads in the gym who refused to stay down. I realized, you know, I, was, I got cardio tapped by one of my blue belts. And yeah. I was like, that can't happen again. I can't, yeah. like, there's shame tapping and then there's that. Um and so, yeah, I had to get back in the gym and, and do sprint work just so I could ha- have the cardio that actually resembles something competitive again. Um, that kind of then carried on to the idea of continuity between drilling, sparring, and competition, just change the intensity. Yeah. But it's only when you try and 
imagine something different like you know you're doing something inspiring and then thinking oh but what if they do this in 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 competition like what if they go for takedowns and stuff like well you try and control something that you don't train then and no wonder you're terrified yeah. um that was, that was, it was a, a, a curious uh idea um what are your plans then for the next uh 12 months are you say so uh, your team's preparing for adc trials are you taking another run nah i think i'm i'm feeling actually the <laughs> as much as i enjoy i enjoy training wrestling but it's um i can't like i do think it's, it's basically essential if you want to do adcc but my i just don't feel like i can especially the wrestling part like i can't train hard like even in the lead up to last adcc like i was like i was doing some wrestling but like ended up having to like modify it a lot and just focus a lot more on defense because it's just like i'm 37 now and it's like pretty tough on the body wrestling especially if you like shooting a lot and so on so i am i kind of feel like i after that i was like i don't think i want to put myself through another adcc run and like i also think at my age i'm as everyone's rest see back even like for 2017 and so on like i felt like if i trained a lot of wrestling the general wrestling level was not that good that i could be in with a chance you know um but now i feel like you know at 37 i could train wrestling hard but like some of these guys are just even if it's not necessarily through technique just through like youth and and um and being exposed to it they're just they're becoming good wrestlers so um better than what i'll be able to <laughs> yeah achieve i think so i just it, it kind of makes the pathway to victory pretty hard if you don't feel like you're going to win a wrestling exchange at adcc you know that you're left yeah. with like guard and sweep um which is you know as i said I, I, I i've got strategies there but like it's hard if you're not willing if you don't want to embrace the overtime and stand up and wrestle and try to win that battle as well and think you've got a really good shot with that so that's kind of that's where i'm at i'm, I'm thinking probably no more adcc for me just yeah. coach yeah so i'm kind of just focusing on coaching and helping the guys and girls at the gym prepare how the hell do you find the time to do the amount of instructional courses that you do plus running a gym uh because i say you got your (laughs) yeah dude yeah i i hats off to you i mean i i have two myself and i'm you know doing my best trying to put online content up and run the gym and and do privates and all those things i'm like there's not enough hours ever see those Um, um nintendo controls behind you yeah, they've got dust on them like they haven't been used that's that's yeah. all just for show <laughs> nah, um, yeah no nah, um basically just do nothing else you know um, <laughs> i've probably um, gotten pretty efficient with my instructional filming you know like just having done a lot of it like i can i'm, I'm trying to release like a, a course every week and a half to two weeks so it probably takes me wow. four to six hours to film that obviously there's planning that has to go into it beforehand that's probably the you know like i don't want to teach something unless i feel like i can have a good grasp on what i want to say um so sometimes that involves even a few it might be like multiple things i'm working on at once just like trying to get my head around like how to teach it and i'm usually i try to like teach the thing that i want to teach in the instructional i'll often teach that in class as well so i can see where people are messing up and so on so i can kind of combine that a little bit uh once the once it's filmed the editing probably takes like maybe like six or seven hours so yeah it takes a bit of time yeah. but it, it it's manageable um it's yes yeah, it's, you're, just, you're doing very well like i say it's it's something i'm i'm trying to get the consistency like running this podcast uh etc and when you it's if I knew that five years ago, part of my job would be like an Instagram influencer and YouTuber, I'd have like maybe stayed in the fire service. Um, oh, that's, like... the, that's the hardest thing I think is um, the social, like for me, like, you know, I, like I can, I'll ma- I make sure I get like the submitter content out, but like if I'm too busy, the social media side just kind of like 
Yeah. yeah. Like I'd like to do more reels and like cut little clips and say like, oh, look at this little detail. I mean, they, those sort of things. Um, Take even time. Though I feel like it's all on there in much more and better detail on the website. It's just like having these like bite-sized things t- seems to be good at, I don't know, getting people's attention and building up your following. So, I mean, I'd like to do more than that. That's something I thinking I should probably hire someone to do. But <laughs> yeah, yes. do it yourself. It would drive you insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, one last question then, because I know it's obviously it's getting close to, to 11 for yourself. Um, you've just been to Iceland, to Reykjavik, to yeah. Molnir, I believe. Uh, how yeah, did you find cool. it? It was, uh, yeah, it's really, how's that gym? What a gym. That's so cool. They, like, and there's some yeah. big, big people in that gym. I know. <laughs> yeah. The Icelandic yeah, diet. Um, yeah. I could, I, yes. I, I don't know if I could stand growing up in Iceland. I'm already short as it is. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would change your jujitsu completely. Yeah. Um, Cause I, yeah, I go over there. Gym. It was a good, good experience. Um, um, and pretty good turnout. And then like got to see some of the sites afterwards. So yeah. Yeah. Had fun. It's a, uh, yeah, I go over there a few times for the, the BJJ Globetrotters camps and it's always the hardest camp. Like it's you need because uh, if anyone hasn't seen the the Molnir gym, definitely look up the the trailer for it on on YouTube. But they've got sauna, they've got hot tubs, cold tubs. They've got it's a fantastic, massive gym, and you need all those things because once you fought all those Icelandic guys, you it hurts. Like you need to go jump in, <laughs> jump in something cold afterwards. <laughs> it's, yeah. They used to have a bar in there. I think they've decommissioned it now, but there used to be like a full Viking bar. All oh, right. Yeah, actually, yeah. Someone was telling me that. Yeah, I didn't get to see it, but um, it was, yeah, yeah. It's just it's on the right just as you walk in, but I think it's, it's yeah, it's not there anymore. But uh, yeah, that's that's how you run a gym. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to have a gym like that. That's um, <laughs> that's the goal now yeah, for all of us. I mean, I'm sure rent in Reykjavik because everything's expensive there. But in Melbourne, I think <laughs> I don't know what it would cost to have something like that. But yeah, beyond God. what it might be worth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think we'll get that. I think they've got some of that in the region of like 2,000 members. So I think that helps pay for it. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, normally helps. Uh, that's most of yeah. Iceland at that point, like or like three families worth. Um, yeah, it's only like 300,000 or something in the population. Something great, yeah, for the entire island. It's it's a tourist hotspot. Um Hopefully, I get to to come over to Australia at some point. I hopefully get to come train with you guys. Um, that'd be great. Knew, yeah, that'd be really cool. I know we talked about it just before when you were last in Newcastle. So I'd love to come over to to Melbourne, uh, and then a certain pandemic landed, which kind of shat on that idea. Um, yeah. But I've I've had invites out to Tokyo, etc. So hopefully, I'll just keep going, and I'll uh, yeah, come I'll end by. Up on, be awesome. That'd be really good. Yeah, I'd love to to come over and and train with you guys and and meet meet the meet your students uh but thank you for agreeing to this thank you for staying up and and having a chat and answering uh all my questions uh you're you're very kind sir and can i, uh, can I ask um you a question before we finish how similar yeah, sure. is that train like are you doing anything different training style wise or um i know you talked about like obviously like tactically like building back up and standing up but like uh training methodology you know like drills how and- i've gone these days is i don't teach any submissions at all yeah uh i don't teach any guard um yet i teach guard retention and i teach open guard so like blocking but to to re- return to standing um i had to change the gym culture to make it so that could be safely done amongst weight classes um and it's it's essentially like you you, you kind of said it as well like the idea of not allowing someone in between your, your knees and your armpits um yeah. not letting someone behind your head to snap you down or, or get hold of your neck in general uh keeping your balance keeping your posture and it's yeah. i find i teach less now i think you said something very similar with regards yeah. to yeah. um less detail so all i do is i i, I give a strategy under a, a kind of wide constraint of right i i want the per- bottom, bottom person i want you to get back to your feet and I don't want someone to get ahead of your knees as you do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I want you to return to posture. And person on top, you're going to 
create puzzles for that person to solve. So you're not in competition with each other. It's not a game. There's not a yeah. a because then it kind of implies competition. One person's yeah. creating puzzles for one person to solve, which I think you kind yeah. of it was very similar to what you said about situational. Is yeah. that I'm going to try and sweep you. You're if I get you, great. If you if I can't get you, then we'll go for it again. Which is yeah. pretty much the exact same way. Is I'm creating puzzles for you to then solve, uh, and it's just revolving around that. So. Essentially, I'll, I'll start the class off. I'll, I'll give the day strategy of where I think we're at. Um, and then I'll fuck off and drink coffee for an hour <laughs> and, and leave them to it. Oh, and nice. uh, they're happier for it. And it's it means then that it's it's people... One of the main complaints, you, you know, most jiu-jitsu gyms here is that when people start, is that oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. But yeah. given that kind of very broad idea of, right, don't let them in your armpits, get yeah. to your feet, Stay, keep your balance. Do not fall over because if you you can't go to the ground, jujitsu ain't going to work on you. Um, yeah. Which, funny enough, we don't have a wrestling program, but people comment on our wrestling just because okay. as soon so as as soon as it's up, you're gonna yeah yeah. But it's it's jujitsu has a takedown element, but the second you yeah. do anything involving takedowns or being upright, but it's, oh, it's wrestling. It's jujitsu. It just yeah. why is it so weird? Um, <laughs> and it's. And then it's that kind of idea that I think Kit Dale said it recently on, I saw an advert um, of, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of memorize something in five minutes, not memorize, but like copy something multiple times in five minutes, which most coaches will change the drill every five, 10 minutes just yeah. due to boredom or something or feeling they have to add value by keep on talking. Um, and that's why I kind of go, right, if I give you a broad subject to work on, yeah. I'll then leave you the time to do it because you're not going. Yeah, you can copy something in ten minutes, but you can't learn and critical think your way out of it in ten minutes. So you need an hour, and so it's it's been hard yeah. for me to then go. You don't need me to keep jumping in and just changing the drill. Just I'll give yeah. you the time. If if I see yeah. something happening that I feel that your critical thinking isn't accomplishing, I'll step in. But yeah. other than that, I'll leave you to it, and it's. So far, the reports are everyone's happier because I've shut yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and how long are the classes you're doing? Uh, so we do one hour class, either yeah. one or two hours sparring. But uh, that's what I mean. There's a, a continuity then of what we're doing in class of, you know, if do not let anyone ahead of your knees, get upright, um, don't let your back flat on the floor, um, etc it's then well that's just gonna happen in sparring and then those exact same ideas then go into competition um yeah. where people aren't being taken down they're staying on top they're keeping their posture and their balance they're not getting yeah. swept so it's, it's it kind of gets rid of that kind of nerves of well i'm not doing anything different um yeah. and so it's it's it's, it's co- incorporating the the pre-ideas of of defensive postures you know not letting people yeah. in those spaces and being aware of it and then tying the idea that I want to control the space of the fight, and if I'm underneath you, I can't control the space. Um, sure. And then you know, it's, it's, it's that it's an objectivity moment of it's easy to sweep people who like falling over, and it's easy <laughs> to pass people who don't try and stand up. And it right. only exists yeah. in like a jujitsu space. Um, yes. And so when we, you know, I have now white belts that I can't pass their guard because they just won't stay the fuck down. So I realize yeah. I'm a black belt at passing people who can't walk. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, if I could, I'd demote myself to blue belt. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, so it, was, it, was, yeah, it hit reset cool. quite hard on things. Uh, but yeah, it completely changed how I look at things. So that's why I was very curious on... Have you I'm, I'm, changed like your passing postures and so on as well? Uh, like, it meant I had to keep the pressure on a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I deny Less people like access to behind my knees and less loose passing and, and yeah like, because they yeah. just they keep getting up and then if i take the foot off the gas like i have to be aware of the spaces of behind my head behind my legs and my armpits if i give too much obviously i'll get stuck in a guard but if yeah. i take the foot off the gas they'll get up so i have to find that balance yeah um whilst also keeping my balance uh to not get swept or if they do get swept just shooting back up right again so you have to earn the sweep yeah. and the get up, which usually results in just standing with a single leg. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that kind of just keeping at it then, just like day in, day out. Sorry, guys, it's Groundhog Day. We're doing it again. And yeah. 
yeah, it's it's very very different training over the past six months. But that's why I was very curious on how because you're a lot more accomplished than I am, and you know your students especially and yourself. And I was like, so how do you yeah, I mean, carry those things across? Like, in, in the end, like no one has any good data. Like, you know, <laughs> like as in, in jujitsu, like you know, oh, I mean, you've got like a very I'd say it's a pretty poor, like there's there's some evidence, but it's very low quality, uh, which is like certain gyms have like more champions, you know, and, and like, you know, certain gyms have got more people going to ADCC and so on, and uh, which obviously is, it might be indicative that the training methodology, or it could just be that that gym attracts, you know, like people who are good go to that gym, you know, um, and, you know as you get better, you go to the gym and that's, more and more people yeah because like high high level people want high level training partners because that is what pushes them right so um but there's not really any great data so you know that's what i'm I'm interested to hear how you're doing it and how everyone else is doing it i don't think any of us should be like i think we should be we should like be confident that like you know we're we're trying to do our best and we we want to believe that what we're doing is good but also be open to the fact that we could be totally wrong as well so yeah, yeah definitely um, don't like i hope you don't think that i'm saying no my no, way no. is the only way or anything but um yeah i think i was saying that i was speaking to greg sodas and he said that you know speaking to dan her it's like one of the most important things you can do as a coach is be okay with failure and think yeah. that you, you are going to fuck up and it's okay to go sorry guys i fucked up like i need to re you know reevaluate because as much yeah. as you know someone can look up to us and think oh they're black belts like I'm still learning, you know, if, if you can in, improve from blue belt to brown belt in four or five years, why can't I improve my coaching in the exact same amount of time? Yeah. Like, I'm still learning just as much. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's why hearing, I love, that's why one of the best things for me is, is was starting this podcast of getting to speak to someone like yourself or Greg or Rob Bernacki and, and all the other uh, black belts I'm going to be able to get on this and just hear like the various ideas. And because there's already one thing that you've said to me today about, upping the rate when you have stallers i was like oh that's interesting i like that yeah. idea um yeah. <laughs> and yeah so it's like this this is a learning platform for me just as much as anyone else i i want to evolve and how can i talk to people about how they do it and and how they coach and how they learn um because that's always like again that the one of the, the interesting parts is that how i learned jiu-jitsu and how i improve wasn't how i was teaching and so yep. why was I inflicting upon other people something that I don't even believe in myself? Yep. Um, <laughs> which is which is interesting. Like, do yeah, you dry I mean, drill? That's no. Where, that's where I kind of like to, you know, like the, I sort of, I was kind of good in that I, I started teaching the way I thought I learned best. But since then, I, I've kind of thought, well, just because I learned, I learned best, you know, doing this specific training. Yeah, yeah. Is there even better ways, you know? Um, which I think there is. I just, got to keep finding them <laughs> yeah exactly and it's it's only through these interesting conversations that you know that improvement matters and i think also one thing you said there about some gyms attract more high level competitors i think sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the way of thinking that you just have to be good at jiu-jitsu to compete at a high level you also have to have money <laughs> you can't yeah. it's, it's competitions are expensive and they're sometimes nowhere near where you live um yeah. it's, it's easy to yeah. go compete at worlds you know, if you're in America, but when you're on the other side of the planet and have two kids, it's, uh, it gets tough. expensive. Yeah. Yep. And it's, I think that can be one of those, you know, more defining aspects. Like, you know, if you're, if you're in the middle of Times Square, for example, and you live in New York, you may have more money than most people. <laughs> and you yeah, may have sure. more of those people yeah. like coming through your gym, um, which is unfortunate, but it's a, part of the aspect of the sport i guess that like you have to kind of self-fund your way through to these things unless you have sponsorship you're always going um, to wonder how many people were you know had the potential to be the next big thing but then just you yeah know, decided against it for whatever reason just i mean it is a pretty risky career path to take <laughs> yeah anything related <laughs> to jiu-jitsu like you know you're you know, if you if you've got opportunity to, you know, for a stable job elsewhere, you've got to be a bit of a risk taker to go with the jiu-jitsu yeah. you know, approach as, as a as yeah. a life choice, 
Well, it's, again, it's like it's, you know, you think you've got to have the the financial backing to be able to train most days yeah. every day and pay your gym subs or you know train at a, a fitness center. Then you've got to be able to fund going to the competitions, and the competitions ain't cheap. Um, and so, yeah, like I say, the amount of people, and then you've got these small towns, and you think the the amount of people that could have passed through my gym, your gym, or any kind of adjacent gym, who could have absolutely had the 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 mental fortitude and the the physical characteristics to get to the highest level, but they needed to earn money and, and eat, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is kind of sad. That's the the more defining characteristic than actual desk jujitsu skill. Um, yep. Oh well, maybe we'll set a fund one day to get all these good people there. Um, thank you for your time, so I won't keep you any longer. And uh, it's been a, a great, uh, a lot of fun talking to you. And I, I, I hope that. But next year I can come over and visit you guys, or when you're back in yep. Europe again, I'll I'll make the trip. Thank you, Naz. It was a really good podcast. So um, no, look forward thank to you. It's chatting soon. Been a pleasure. Thank you, sir.